In the footsteps of Jesus, from down under, this is Nick Kurita, your host. Welcome to the program. I'm very happy to be with you today again. And please stay with us. I've got a special guest with me today. And I'll say hello to Mike. Hi. Hi, Mike. How are you? You are on the phone uh, with us um, from Melbourne at the moment. And yes, that's right. Mike, uh, I would like to introduce you to our listeners. You, you are visiting Australia right now and you are involved yeah. with an amazing work with refugees in Europe. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Refugees from Iran, Afghanistan, Syria, and some, from, some are Kurdish people. Yes. Very, work with them. Yes. very good, yes. Mike. Look, just before I will um, come back to you to share some of the work and stories, uh, can you please just tell me a little bit of your background, if you can, in a couple of words? Uh, yes, I am international director of our organization called Destination. I'm from South Korea, and uh, I'm married to a British lady, <laughs> and the work among the Muslims, in North Africa and Middle East, and also refugees in Europe. Very good, uh, Mike. How did you get uh, involved with this ministry? Oh, <laughs> make a long story short. Actually, you know, after I believe in Jesus, I really want to know what's the purpose of my life. So I wondered and uh, tried to find the answer. And finally, I went to have one conference and had a teaching, and the teacher said, Bible teacher said, our Lord Jesus has really, really want to come back, return. But yeah. only one condition is the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all the nations, all the ethnic groups. But the last 2,000 years, church didn't pay attention much on it. So at the time, it was all, almost 11,000 only to the ethnic groups still remain. So when I heard that, oh, I, that can be my calling. That can be my purpose of life. So I start join and start have some short-term trip. And then as time goes on, yeah, God just share his tears and pains and his heart. And then I gave all my life to that direction. And here I am. I end up living in some country in Middle East. And now I work on other Muslim background believers. That's great. I mean, you know, uh, you mentioned that we are all waiting for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But yeah. uh, it depends a lot o on us, actually, as you just said. If mm. we are not uh, working together with Jesus, you know, we may still delay this thing, you know, to say so. Mm. I mean, the time, the, the, you know, the, the hour and the date is not up to us to know. Uh, mm -hmm. But we know that we have a call. We have... Uh, mm -hmm. A great commission from Jesus Christ mm. to That's preach right. the gospel, the good news. And mm. Michael, you you got involved with these uh, ethnic groups. Would you be able to start telling us some of the work you do and the stories coming across? Yes. First of all, I would like to tell you about the uh, country Iran. At the moment, I'm working with many Iranians, mm -hmm. and uh, they are Muslim background believers. So actually, we start uh, our work and our serving from 2005 and six, and then uh, we send our team over there, capital city Tehran, and we found out there is already 
you know, amazing revivals happening, and there is uh, underground churches growing and reproducing. It's like, you know, small organic church, mm-hmm. small cell church, small home church, or house church, whatever you name it. It's kind of, you know, very likely only church settings in Book of Acts. Yeah. Five, three, ten, seven people gather together in the name of Jesus, and uh, they worship together, pray together, pray on fasting, sharing the Word of God. And uh, I found that, wow, a lot of Iranians actually ready to receive Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. And also they got dreams of Jesus a lot. It's just a natural thing for them. Mm. <laughs> and um, until that time, it was about 2006, 7, 8, some people say 3 million Muslim background believers in Iran. Some people say 1 million. Some people say 5 million. So a lot of people, they are believing in Jesus. And uh, nowadays, 2017, 18, they say 8 or 9 million Muslim background believers in Iran. Wow. So nobody knows the exact number. But I work with one of the theological seminary uh, located in London. And they said they don't know the exact number, 8, 9, maybe, 9 million, maybe. But the exact the fact is there is at least 1 million disciples ready to die for Christ. Whoa. And their target is they want to see this number is not 1 million. They want to see this number reaching 8 or 9 million. Yeah. Mm. So they want to train the people, become a church planter, become an evangelist, become a disciple maker. So that's their desire. So they are all doing this in Farsi language, so which is amazing. Not helped by foreigners much, but this is indigenous. So I really love this Iranian churches growing and duplicating and multiplying. And probably it's not that important for us to know how many are uh, there, as you said. The important thing is that they have an open uh, uh, heart, you know, they... Uh, they are ready to receive uh, the good yeah. news, the gospel. And that's, that's, right. that's very important because God will uh, take care of that and uh, he will um, call all, the, all, all his children um, mm. at the right time, you know, uh, into the fold. Yeah. Just share with us uh, how, um, you know, how that is growing, you know, from your own experience, you know, with your involvement in this. Just mm. share with us some of the stories, please. Yeah, um, for example, one of my friends, he was very fanatic Muslim. Uh, in Iran, in Shiite uh, Islam, there is uh, some rituals commemorate uh, the date their Imam Hussein or Imam Ali died. They do a gamezani or jinjilzani. Gamezani is like a hit their head with the sword and bleeding mm. and the chanting hours, hours. And even uh, young people, like uh, teenagers, sometimes the mother hit their small baby with uh, her uh, sword, which is really, you know, oh, you cannot describe it. It's uh, horrible. It's uh, horrible. But my friend, his name is Amin, he actually was the leader of this kind of Kamejani. And uh, that much devoted Muslim in Iran, in Tehran. But his friend uh, explained about Jesus and gave the Bible in the New Testament. And uh, he carefully read it. And in the end, if his conclusion is, oh, I've been deceived by this book, Quran, this book, the New Testament, this is the truth. 
and he believe decide to believe and follow Jesus, and then he also joined the house church, and then he's been persecuted, and now uh, and then he become asylum seeker came to Turkey, and then he waited, and he was in the refugee house church in Turkey. I met him. Uh, we spent time together, do something together, and then finally his case was accepted, and then he went to America. And then later on, the amazing thing is these Iranian Muslim background, refugee background believers, once they go to America, they didn't just settle in America. They decide to do this mission work with us together, mm -hmm. which is amazing. So in America, our team destination, we have a board of direct. I'm the only one Korean. The other is the Iranian. Muslim background believers, they are the mission organization board of direct. This is what God is doing. So I'm so pleased to work with this Iranian. That's great. Now, uh, you've been located in Turkey for a number of years and you could see also those crises of uh, so many, you know, refugees and you know yeah. how uh, how it is at the moment. What do you think about this? Yeah, what's your view? Yeah, there is at least three million Syrian refugees and uh, there are at least two, three hundred thousand Iranian or Afghan refugees. So Turkish Turkish government accepted many, many refugees from 2007, 9, 10, and 2011 and 12 from Syria. So because of the persecution sometimes and because of a horrible war in Syria, you know, there are various different kinds of perspectives among the Turkish people. First couple of years, they said, oh, we need to look after them because they are suffer. They are our brothers. But, you know, nowadays, They said, oh, too much. It's enough. Mm -hmm. We must send them back home. Uh, they take our jobs and they take our resources. So Turkish people nowadays, they are they're enough is enough kind of uh, attitude. But my perspective is actually these people, we call it diaspora, mm -hmm. people who are moving. It's like a size or exodus kind of things in the Bible. Yes. Jewish people also scattered. Mm -hmm. And then through that, sometimes God work in various ways. So in the refugee camp or among the refugees, God is actually working among them. And sometimes they experience God, experience Jesus Christ, and they believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. That is happening. It's not great numbers, but yeah, some people say 5-10%, some people say 2-3%. Yeah, the Muslims from Syria, Muslims from Afghanistan, or Iranians sometimes, they also believe and come to know Jesus. Mm. Actually, these things actually happen. I work among the refugees in Germany and the uh, Netherlands, Holland, and uh, these guys, it's really, their heart is open, and then they accept the Lord, Lord Jesus. And uh, so growing simple organic churches in Germany, uh, among the refugees, and also Netherlands. Mm. Uh, this is what God is doing. Yes, there is uh, bad news. You know, some Muslim refugees, they are doing some bad things and crime, but that's not the whole story. That is one fraction of the story. And uh, actually, I meet some Syrian refugees, and uh, they liberally make some team so that they can stop other refugees doing bad things crimes or whatever. 
You never heard this kind of news, right? But mm-hmm. I met this team when I visited the refugee camp in Germany. Mm-hmm. So uh, this both side, yeah, there is. Yeah, what I was going to say, as you mentioned a bit earlier, that uh, at some point, you know, uh, governments try to think, you know, how are we going to handle this? You know, is this a mm-hmm. bit uh, uh, overwhelming? And uh, lots of non-governmental uh, organizations will step in, you know, and do some sort of things there to help. But I'm more interested mm-hmm. today to find out from you, from a Christian perspective, you know, like... Uh, if this helps, because, you know, sometimes with uh, even gov- governmental organization or non-governmental organizations, uh, you come across all sorts of issues and at some point you may, may just get stuck. But uh, as a Christian, to, to live a Christian life and to show them the love of God, I think this is a challenge and this is something which can make a difference in uh, in their life and in the whole uh, situation, you know. Uh, yeah, What's your view on this again? Yes, yes, exactly. I fully agree with you. We need to see, uh, you know, all all these phenomena, all these refugee things over this situation. God is in control. That's what I believe. And these people from Syria and uh, Afghanistan and Iraq and these people. They never heard of Jesus Christ and gospel properly. And then, in, in my experience, I get to know them little by little, having a cup of tea, meal together. We invite them, they invite us, mm-hmm. and uh, we talk. And then we found that these Muslim refugees, they become asylum seeker refugees because of fanatic Islam mm-hmm. or ISIS or bad Islam regime. It's all conflict, war, caused by all these yeah, religious things. And then they start asking the question, is Islam really true? Where is God? What is truth? Mm-hmm. And they start asking the question. They never have this kind of questions when they are in Syria or Iran or Afghanistan or Iraq. But once they become a refugee, and uh, they come out of their own culture, and they start to think and ask a question. And some of them actually got sent the dreams of Jesus. And some of them with people like us and receive a Bible. And some of them actually meet local people, and they invite and they help and they pray. And due to that, these Muslim friends, they say, oh, when, when they receive a prayer, they say, oh, what is this clean spirit? Yeah, some, some sensitive people say clean spirit. I think that's Holy Spirit, right? When you pray, they touch something, sometimes they cry. So, in many, many different ways, we Christians can serving them with the God's love and actually Holy Spirit work among them and they get to know Jesus and God save them. And that's what God is doing among the refugees. Mm. Yeah, in Germany, and Holland, that's what I, what me and our team experience. That's what you experienced there. And you just mentioned that um, on a 
personal level, you know, like um, talking to one-to-one or a small group, uh, uh, that really makes an impact on uh, on yeah, their life. Yeah. You don't because sometimes you look at the big crowds, you know, and as you mentioned earlier, some you may hear all those news about uh, bad things happening around. Um, mm-hmm. But if you get to know them, to connect with mm-hmm. them, and to mm-hmm. show them uh, the love of God, you know, personally, I think that's wonderful. That's just amazing mm. what uh, what you can do with this work. Uh, now, yeah. just um, we are about to take a short break, and um, we'll come back to to just uh-huh. uh, continue a bit more and to conclude for this um, program. Uh, you are listening to In the Footsteps of Jesus from Down Under. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. You see the little boy. Sleeping on the street He supports his family He works so they can eat Can you see the little girl Trapped in a life she did not choose Tortured and used Shamed and abused Oh, can you see the need? see the need Jesus saw the people that the world chose not to see Jesus chose to love to love outrageously let us be like him let us help the least of these let us choose to Those who can't speak for themselves Be the hand 
Welcome back. This is Nick Rita with In the Footsteps of Jesus. My guest today, Mike, a man of God involved with uh, amazing ministry among refugees. You heard in the first part Mike talking about uh, some uh, crisis in uh, Iraq or uh, Iran. He's working with uh, refugees in uh, Germany and Netherlands. He was um, in Turkey for a number of years. Michael, uh, it's really good to have you with us today. And I'm very uh, happy that we could take a bit of time. Now, you're visiting at the moment for a short time in uh, Australia, and we connect uh, via Skype this uh, interview. And if it's any, you know, little disturbance there, our listeners will understand that. But yeah, coming back to your involvement with refugees now, we mentioned about Europe, but you are also involved with some other parts of the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, your involvement? Uh, yeah, I work uh, with Algerian Muslim background believer who become a missionary to Tunisia, which is an amazing thing. You know, mm-hmm. one used to be Muslim, but he become a believer, follower of Christ, and he wants to bring this gospel to unreached areas. So we work with that man, man of God, and uh, actually nowadays in Algeria, especially in Kabil area, Kabil is uh, some part of Berber people. Berber is, you know, the Tertullians and St. Augustine, the kind of only father. They are, yeah, Berbers. So okay. these Berbers, yeah, they are descendants. Nowadays, from 1990s and to early 2000, they have an amazing revival in the mountain area. For example, I visited one village, and um, from that village five minutes away, there is 200 people gathered, lived in mountain village. And one night, one dream, same dream of Jesus Christ appeared on 200 people together. Whoa. The next day morning, they all woke up and they were shocked. And they shared their stories in the dream. And uh, they are all very uh, perplexed. And the uh, next village, there one believer and came and explained Jesus. And more than 70% people, they believed in Jesus. And that kind of miraculous things happen in Algeria. And so our team actually have an amazing privilege to receiving these Algerian believers come to Tunisia and having a mission training program. And they dedicate themselves to the mission, which is they want to bring the gospel to the Arab people, like the Arab area in Algeria and Tunisia and Morocco. Mm-hmm. So that is amazing God's work. So, yeah, this is my amazing privilege to serve them and work with them. 
become a one family together, which is amazing thing. That's great. My wife can speak perfect French, so whenever she goes, she's doing the, all the main work. I just uh, look after kids or <laughs> <laughs> washing dishes or whatever. <laughs> That's really great, yeah. uh, which means you are um, equipping uh, people, you know, from um, uh, their uh, cultures to be able to reach their own, uh, to, able to, to be able to go back to their families or their countries and, uh, you know, to connect with their own people. That's a very uh, wise thing to do because... You know, it's one thing to to hear something from a stranger, you know, from, and it's another thing to hear something from your own people. Um, that's really good. I think that's an amazing uh, thing to do. Mike, we we are coming uh, very close to to the end of our uh, time for this um, program. Uh, but before we we close, I would like you to share with us, share with our listeners. What is your view and what sort of words of encouragement would you give us, you know, to our listeners to to consider this sort of work which you do, uh, to be supportive, to to pray for it, to get involved mm. if that's uh, a possibility? The, my encouragement is this. You know, normally when we think about Islam or Muslim people, we normally have some kind of stereotype. Oh, it's a hard word. Oh, they are terrorists or they are bad. We have some kind of brainwashed by media. So we have a bad connotation when you talk about Islam. But God wants us to have a biblical perspective, which is, you know, these Muslims regard Muhammad as their best leader and the final prophet. And Muhammad traced himself back to Ishmael in the Bible. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you look up the character of Ishmael, and then you can think about the Muslim and Islam in 21st century. So Genesis chapter 21, it explains that the day Ishmael expelled out of the Abraham's house, and with his mother, he wandered around the desert where Shiva, and then they cried, they almost dead, but, but. Verse chapter 21, verse 17, it says, God heard the boy crying. Actually, the name Ishmael means God heard crying. God heard the boy crying. That's the name of Ishmael. Mm. So Ishmael itself, actually, boy is crying. But God hear that boy. You know what? So, and then the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying. Again, Ishmael, as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she, she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And she saved the boy. Mm. You know. So in this context, yeah, we can think this Ishmael, the boy is crying, almost dying in the desert. It's, it's symbolizing that 21st century Muslims, every single day, five times, five times a day, they cry in the mosque. They call the Adhan. They cry. They prayer call. But some people, when they hear that, that's very demonic or satanic. But in some way, it's their crying. They want to go back to father's house. And then in this text, maybe this Hagar is the symbolize the lady, symbolize maybe a ch- church or 
we actually, by God's grace, we open the eyes and see the well, which is the living water of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then the thing we need to do is once we saw the well of water, and then as you Haga did, Haga went and filled the skin of the water and gave the boy a drink, which is as a church, as a lady, as like a Haga, we bring this living water of Jesus Christ. Mm. So let's have this kind of perspective, not regard them as enemy or Satan or bad things or terrorists. Actually, they are crying. They want to go back home. They want to come Father's house, but they don't know. They wander around in the desert. We church, as a Haggai did, as a lady did, our responsibility is bring the living water of Jesus Christ to them. Sometimes through prayer, sometimes having one Syrian refugee in Australia. Maybe have some more interest in asylum seekers, Iranians or Afghans mm-hmm. yeah, as a church. Pray for them and provide some kind of English lesson or sometimes providing a small cloth or sometimes one meal. Sometimes a couple kids together listen to their story. That is, I think, first step to bring this living water of Jesus Christ to the boy crying in the desert, which is Ishmael, which is Islam, which is Muslim maybe. Thank, thank you very much, uh, Mike, for that, uh, for for those words, uh, wonderful words of hope, and um, I pray that um, God will bless you and will lead you as you go to reach out more and more to these people in need. It was a privilege to have you with us for this program, and I wish you God's blessings to you and your family, you. and I uh, hope that will. Uh, catch up again uh, soon mm. to share some uh, more of these uh, stories and uh, right. as you travel around uh, be safe and uh, yeah don't uh, hesitate to send our greetings you know uh, to all those people around the world mm-hmm. where you go okay. and if we can get right. involved somehow we'll pray for that to, to really put uh, our hands together you know to do this great mm. work until next time Please keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.